Welcome to Healthy by Choice, a broadcast designed to bring powerful healing into your life today. Gaining and maintaining optimum health is possible at any age. That's what thousands are learning at CHIP, the complete health improvement program offered across the country and around the world. You can learn more at chiphealth.com. But now, get ready to enjoy some proven results and priceless benefits. I'm your Healthy by Choice host, Charles Mills. What happens when Michael Moss, one of America's great investigative reporters, infiltrates the most disastrous cartel of modern times, a processed food industry that's making a fortune by seducing an unwitting population? What are the tools they are using to make money while knowingly destroying our health. Here's Dr. Hans Deal from the Lifestyle Medicine Institute in Loma Linda, California, to introduce us to the chilling story of how the food giants are changing our lives and the world around us. Dr. Deal, say it isn't so. Yeah, I wish I could say that. But, uh, you know, I uh, wondered about uh, the title, Salt, Sugar, and Fat. Yes. How the food giants hooked us. And then I realized uh, this was not some kind of a conspiracy theorist. You know, there are people that write books based on conspiracy theories. Yes. Uh-huh. But this book was written by Michael Moss, who is the winner of the Pulitzer Prize, a well-known investigative reporter. So once you see that book title and you see the author, you have to think about, this could be something serious. So yes. I bought this book. It just came out very recently, and I was enthralled. And to be very frank, I was angry afterwards yes. because I really felt I now began to have a clear understanding of why we have the epidemics of chronic disease that we have in our society. Think about this. Obesity, 1980, less than 5% of our adults were obese. And then every five years later, the obesity rate for adults jumps by 5%. Mm-hmm. So it goes 1985, 10%, 1990, 15%, 1995, 20%, 2000, 25%, 2005%, 30%, and now it's over 30%. Wow of our adult population is obese. Another 35% is overweight, so that two out of three adults in America today are carrying excess weight, I mean, mm-hmm. overweight or obese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that's in adults, and if you add the kids, they have now come to the point where one out of five kids is obese, not just overweight, yeah. but obese. So that's obesity. And then you have the tsunami of type 2 diabetes that has been rolling over our society. So where we today have about 100 million American adults being either at risk of diabetes or they already have it. Which means that every second American adult has to face the high risk or the presence of diabetes in their lives with all the amputations, with the blindness, the kidney disease, and, 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 and. So that's diabetes. So we're not talking about some little disease that's that's, that's, that's infiltrating here and there. We're talking about, like you say, a tsunami that's happening. No, and then you talk about breast cancer, Mm. and you know the breast cancer rates have gone up significantly since 1960, and today every seventh woman has to face the fact that they will be developing some breast cancer. Now, heart disease has gone down somewhat, but it still is the number one killer in our society responsible for 30 
plus percent of all of our deaths. So we have a huge epidemic, and the epidemic consists of chronic diseases. Chronic meaning they don't respond to medical uh, attempts to cure them. Medicine at best, in most cases, can treat the symptoms, make it more livable, take some of the pain away, uh, but we have no cure for obesity, we have no cure for diabetes, we have no cure for hypertension, we have no cure for breast cancer, and for most of these cancers, and we have no cure for heart disease. I mean, you can do a bypass, but you doesn't have not cured the disease. You have yeah, just yeah. delayed oftentimes, you know. But we are very, very concerned about the epidemic of uh, chronic disease in our society, and what I began to realize when I read this book was that there's a reason why this epidemic that was sort of moving along anyway from 1950 on, but why it was gotten such a big boost, it got such a kick in the 1970s, 1980s. Something happened there. It's very important for us to realize that, you know, this is not a virus that's spreading among us. There's no bacteria going on. You can't catch obesity from someone. So it's not something outside of our control that is affecting us. It it is something within our control. It is something that we are doing to ourselves that is bringing this about. Am I on the right track? Well, let me soften that a little bit. I mean, you're making the listener feel a little bit um, (laughs) uncomfortable now. Well, I'm talking to myself here, too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, instead of blaming ourselves, maybe we should sometimes. But, you know, let's say the culture Mm. is setting up an obesity-causing epidemic. And that's what I picked up from this book here. You know, we're both on the same track, actually, Charles. But, you know, I want to make the insightful moment that came to me as I read this book. And he talked about the changes began sort of in 1960 when we began to move from slow food to fast food. Mm. Uh, We began to look for convenience foods, right? There were now two earners per family, right? Wives used to be at home to do the cooking and taking care of the kids and taking care of all the domestic uh, issues. But now women became involved in the workforce. And so now you have two bread earners in the family quite often. And with that, there was no more time to do cooking and so on. And convenience foods came to the rescue, Mm -hmm. but not without a price. Mm -hmm. And then as we developed the convenience foods, we also learned something about food technology, we began to understand that we could formulate uh, foods that became taste sensations. Mm-hmm. Boy, it was hard to resist those processed foods. And then you had mass marketing technology kicking in uh, that could take these convenience foods and these taste sensations and popularize them and spread them and make them uh, available to every household and every family and everybody was agog. Wow, you know, the soda pops popped up, the Coca-Cola bottles got larger, the cookie became a monster cookie (laughs) and the little hamburger became a triple cheeseburger. You know, all of these things began to burst onto the scene in the 1980s and 90s. And then I discovered something about a bliss point. A bliss point? Yeah, I could discover something about a mouthfeel. Ah. I discovered something about flavor bursts. Mm. Now, let me get into that, but let me just read to you the introduction here to the book by Michael Moss, Salt, Sugar, Fat, How the Food Giants Hooked Us, right? Mm Mm-hmm. We're talking about the unholy trinity, I guess, Yes, we are. (laughs) Okay, so we're talking about salt, sugar, and fat. Here's what it says. Listen to this. It is, it is stunning. In the spring of 1999, 
the heads of the world's largest processed food companies, from Coca-Cola to Nabisco, gathered at Pillsbury headquarters in Minnesota for a secret meeting. So this is a very special internal affair, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On the agenda, the emerging epidemic of obesity and what to do about it. Now, increasingly, the salt, the sugar, and the fat-laden foods these companies produced were being linked to obesity. Mm -hmm. And as a result, a concerned craft food executive took the stage, and he issued a warning. He said there would be a day of reckoning unless changes were made. Now, what's very interesting here is that, you know, the craft food company was no longer belonging to the craft food company. Mm -hmm. It had been purchased by Philip Morris, the huge tobacco giant, hmm. Hmm. right? Yeah. And can you see why this food executive now becomes concerned? Because he knew that we're belonging now to a tobacco industry, right? Yeah. And they were sued in the past because they used nicotine and made it their addictive substance to sell their product, right? Yes. And so this man is now becoming concerned. Said, well, maybe this could happen to us too. We've got to be proactive. And so he is now the man that speaks up uh, at the uh, opening meeting. And it says here, a concerned craft executive took the stage to issue a warning. He said, there would be a day of reckoning unless changes were made. This executive then launched into a damning PowerPoint presentation, making the case that processed food companies could not afford to sit by idle as children grew sick and class action lawyers lurked on the sidelines, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he said, to deny the problem is to court disaster. Well, you know, he tried to protect uh, these food giants that were meeting there, right? Yes. You know, the heads of the world's largest processed food companies and then it says, when he was done with his presentation, the most powerful person in the room, the CEO of General Mills, stood up to speak. And he was clearly annoyed. <laughs> he was visibly upset. And by the time he sat down, the meeting was over. And Dr. Deal, what was the reaction? In your words, how did the people respond? Damn the torpedoes. Don't listen to the public. The public is fickle-minded. One day they're concerned about salt. Next time they're concerned about sugar. Next time they're concerned about cholesterol. Fickle-minded. Damn the torpedoes. Full force ahead. Oh, what do you think happened? And then the article says, this is the foreword to the book, since that day, with the industry in pursuit of its win-at-all-cost strategy, the situation has grown more dire every day. Think about this. The American public today consumes 33 pounds of cheese. It used to be in the 1970s about 10 pounds. Now it's 33 pounds of cheese. We consume on the average 30 teaspoons of sugar per person per day. Oh. Now that includes children and everybody, right? Yeah, right. I mean, 30 teaspoons of sugar a day. Maybe we would be better off by cutting it back down to 10. Yeah. Now this is 30 teaspoons times, let's see, times four, that's 40 grams times four, that's about 600 calories, and if a woman needs about 1,800 calories, that's 
you know, 25 to 30% yes. of the calories we eat has sugar. It has no nutritional value. Just calories. Yeah, no nutritional value, yeah, yeah. just calories. Yeah. So you have cheese, which is 70%, 60 to 70% fat. Okay, it goes down very easily. Uh, you have sugar. Both of these substances have gone up big time. And then you have salt. And the salt today that we eat in America is about 8 pounds per person. And we would be much better off if we had maybe something like three pounds per person. But, you know, we're probably taking two to three times more salt than is advisable. And with that, you have to worry about heart disease, hypertension, and, 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 right? So, and the interesting part is that 80% of the salt that we consume does not come from the salt shaker. Mm-hmm. Where does it come from? Yeah, processed foods. Processed, processed foods, foods yeah. and restaurant food, right? Yeah. And, of course, most restaurant foods are not cooked from scratch anyway. They're basically processed food, pre-cooked food that has been prepared. You just put it into the microwave and it's done, right? Yeah. So these are then some interesting changes that have taken place in the last 30, 40 years. Well, Dr. Deal, I'm going to take a break uh, right now. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you a question. Aren't we... The consumers driving this isn't the man who says we're fickle. Wasn't he correct? Is the problem really sitting in our own lap? Let's find out what the answer to that is. Maybe Michael Moss talked about that in his book. We'll find out from Dr. Deal in our return. So everybody stay right where you are. I'd like to take a moment to invite you to the CHIP website, chiphealth.com. It's a confusing world out there. Lots of information comes at you from so many different directions. How can you tell fact from fiction when it comes to health? Well, at CHIP, we don't deal with wishful thinking. We're not pushing pills or potions. We advocate gaining and maintaining optimum health through lifestyle changes. Changes in what you eat, how you exercise, even how you think and reason. Does it work? Over 50,000 graduates say yes. They've seen their blood pressure normalize, cholesterol numbers drop, diabetes ease, and in some cases vanish altogether, and excess pounds melt away. CHIP is a program that works because it's based on the science of health, science that's proven and amazingly effective. Stop by chiphealth.com to learn more. Changes come when you make health a habit. That's chiphealth.com. Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Charles Mills. We're here with Dr. Hans Deal, founder of the Complete Health Improvement Program. Dr. Deal, you are telling us about something you read written by Michael Moss. He is a great investigative reporter here in America. And he wrote a book recently called Salt, Sugar, and Fat. And by the way, I've had people on this show call that combination the unholy trinity, salt, sugar, and fat. (laughs) And he wrote a book about this. And he wrote a book about how the industry is using these three unholy trinity items to seduce us, to create addiction in us, to make us fat and sick. And they're saying, hey, that's what they want. If they stopped eating it, we would stop making it. But as long as America is is opening their mouths and dumping this stuff down their throat, we're not going to stop making it because it's not our fault. They're asking for it. What do you think about that argument, Dr. Deal? Well, that argument is oftentimes made. We're only giving people what they want. But we perhaps should take a deeper look 
you know, is it with cigarettes the same way? We just give Americans the cigarettes that they want, oh. or are there some ingredients in cigarettes that actually make it difficult to resist? Oh. And once you're hooked, you're hooked, okay. right? Okay. And is the industry possibly making every effort to introducing us to their products at a time when it's difficult not to say no? When we talk about cigarettes, we try to reach into the younger ones, right? Yes. And once they are seduced, once they have been allured, once they have become captives mm-hmm. of this addictive uh, substance, there's very little they can do to really break out of it. Could it be that something like this is happening in the food industry? That's the question, right? Here you have now 11 men, heads of America's largest food companies. They're controlling 700,000 employees. Mm -hmm. They have sales of over $80 billion. They're companies like Nestle, Kraft, Coca-Cola, Nabisco, General Mills, Procter & Gamble, Mars, and many of these companies have been purchased in the last few years yes, by yes. Philip Morris, the tobacco giant. Now, isn't it interesting that there could be a parallel here? Mm-hmm. You know, while Philip Morris made its money by alluring people into the joys, really, <laughs> of nicotine yes. that is being delivered through a cigarette, yes. and it relaxes people, makes them feel good, but it also, if used as ordered, Mm-hmm. kills every second smoker, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, could there be a parallel that something like this is happening in the food industry? That is the point of this book. And here I want to share with you what I found very disturbing. They learned in uh, sophisticated laboratory experiments that sugar can cause a neurological high, a pleasure that hits the pleasure center in the brain within less than a second after you feed it on your tongue. Mm. That this sugar causes what they describe as a bliss point. Now, once you reach that bliss point, once you have enough sugar in the system, once you have the right amount of sugar that hits the pleasure centers of the brain, it's almost like heroin. Mm. You're over the moon. And you cannot stop. You cannot stop eating one Oreo. You cannot stop eating one M&M. You cannot stop very easily eating one Hershey Kiss. It's impossible, right? You cannot imbibe a very sugary drink without feeling you've got to finish the can. That can doesn't sit around all day and you take a little zip here and then. No, it has to be gulped down because something is happening to the brain. Our brains have become hijacked Mm. by sophisticated food scientists that have learned where the bliss point is when the user goes over the moon. And these companies are aware of this? They work with huge uh, laboratories uh, that have 300 PhDs, that have $17 million budgets, and they do nothing else but to find out where is that bliss point, number one. Where is that mouth feel? Mouth feel, that's another term they have used and, and learned. And that has to do with the amount of fat that is in a food. And by the way, when it comes to mouth feel, the higher the fat level the better the mouth feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is no excess. You can go as high as you want. There is no negative feedback loop. Mm. So that's called the mouth feel. So fat is something very, very important. Think of cheese. Yeah. You know, most people do not think that cheese is a high-fat food. They don't realize <laughs> that 70% of the calories in cheese is fat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A mouth feel. 
And moreover, these companies have learned that, you know, think about this. I mean, I was really getting a bit perturbed by this. In 1975, the American public rose up and said, we don't want to drink whole milk any longer because whole milk is high in fat. Saturated fat at that, yeah, right? Exactly. And saturated fat causes the liver to go into overdrive, making cholesterol. And cholesterol is involved in making atherosclerosis, narrowed arteries, yeah. and heart disease, right? Yeah. So the American public rose up and said, we want to have less fat in milk. And the milk industry, the dairy industry was very complimentary. Okay, they removed the fat, and they moved down to 2% and then to 1%, and then they turned it into blue water, <laughs> right? Skim yes. milk, Yes. right? Yes. Skim milk. Now, what do you think they did with all the fat? Did they send it to Cuba? <laughs> Did they send it to Siberia? No. No. no they made cheese out of it. They made cheese. And, and you know, and can't you see this? This macho man in his family there, and he reprimands his wife, and he said, look, I told you no more of this whole milk. No more whole milk. Yeah. Why do you serve me whole milk? Yeah. You know, are you trying to kill me? No, let me have a cheese sandwich now. <laughs> <laughs> Pass the pizza. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, pass the pizza, right? Where's my pizza? <laughs> and so, you know, and Kraft, as the master in uh, producing cheese, is no longer producing cheese as such as it is much more concentrating on processed cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Processed cheese is different. Yeah. Cheese takes years to age. This processed cheese is done in a few days. Hmm. And so now they have all this cheese, processed cheese, and now they have to invent something where cheese becomes an ingredient of something else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, See, mm -hmm. we used to have a slice of cheese as a delicacy, yeah. maybe on a slice of bread. Now it becomes an ingredient of the food supply. And so now you have macaroni and cheese, you have potatoes and cheese, you have pasta and cheese, you have rice and cheese, you have cheddar chicken, you have cheddar pilaf, you have three cheese, whatever. Yes. You know, you have cheddar, broccoli. Now cheese is everywhere, 33 pounds per person per year. And I just read that cheese is the largest source of saturated fat today in the American diet. More than one half of all the saturated fat that causes the liver to go into overdrive in making cholesterol, which is then responsible for vascular problems like heart disease and uh, you know, uh, impotence and everything else that goes with yes, that. Yes. I mean, this is what's happening. So that's the mouth feel, right? Mm -hmm. So now we talked about the industry knows something about the bliss point, yes. and that's related to the amount of sugar that causes a high in the brain. Now you have the mouth feel, mm -hmm. which is related to the fat content, and most people underestimate the amount of fat in processed foods. Yes. Yes. Okay, they don't see it, but it's there. And so that gives you a mouth. It feels good. It feels gooey. It feels, you know, just right. And then they have another factor here that makes up the unholy trinity, and that is salt. Mm -hmm. Because salt causes what they call a flavor burst, mm -hmm. which means they use salt as a preservative, actually, yeah. so that a product can stay on the shelf for years and years and years. It also covers up bad flavors that may come with a certain product. And also, it causes a burst in sales. Hmm. You know, these companies have become very, very clever in knowing how to hook us. Let me tell you what's happening in the area of salt. Salt is sort of a miracle ingredient that solves many, many problems of the food processing company. That flavor burst, 
is first the soil itself. Then we said it was a preservative so foods can stay on the shelves for months. And it also masks a lot of the off notes in flavors mm. that are inherent to processed foods. But what they have done with salt is this. They have developed different kinds of salt. There are some salts that are powdered. There are other salts that are in a pyramid shape. And what they have found is when you have a pyramid-shaped salt particle, yeah. it attaches better to the food without giving us the large number of grams of salt, but it gives us a richer salt experience, so it hooks us more easily without actually showing that the salt content has gone up. So that's that flavor burst again. I'm getting upset here, Dr. Deal. I am getting upset. Warm under the collar here. They know what they're doing. You know, just think about this. They have powdered salts. They have chunked salts. There's a uh, pyramid-shaped salt. And they actually call it kosher salt. You know, they say it looks like snow, but it's really a pyramid with flat sides that enable it to stick to food better. Where the magic comes in is that it's hollowed out, so our saliva then spreads it around much easier and thus creates this taste sensation. It gets to the taste buds faster, which then sends the electric signals to our brains. Mm. And that's where then the hit is. There's a pleasure hit. It is an allurement. It's a seduction. It's a habituation. And some people actually call it, it's an addictive property, which is similar to heroin. Think about that. And this is what is in the products lining the grocery store when we go shopping. In those boxes, in those cans, you will find salt, sugar, and fat in abundance. And the people who put it there put it there on purpose because they know exactly what it's going to do to us and how it's going to affect us and how it's going to keep us coming back and addict us to this stuff and make us fat and have us have diabetes and heart disease. And any number of these chronic diseases that we're suffering from now has its root in a knowledgeable placement of this product in the shelves in the stores. Am I right? And there are 60,000 food items in some of the large food markets. You know, these supermarkets? Yeah. 60,000. And most of these are inventions. Most of these are creative taste sensations uh, sold for only one purpose, to sell more and more and more. And everybody says, forget the torpedoes, full steam ahead. Uh. The public is fickle-minded. We have one responsibility to please our board members, to please our shareholders. Stockholders, yeah. Okay, okay, Dr. Deal. We have have given the warning. We have told the people listening to this program what's going on. We do not have to be victim of this. We can attend a CHIP seminar. We can go to the CHIP website, chiphealth.com. We can find out how to eat, the foods to get. We can eat our fruits and vegetables and not worry about these things because God, in all of his love for us, did not put this kind of stuff in his foods because he loves us. And we can't say the same thing about the food industry who is trying to literally addict us to death. My message is, uh, you know, we need to cut back on those foods and become more reliant on uh, simple foods, Mm. whole foods, foods like fresh fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes. You know, we have said this now several times. This is where we need to go, maybe a few nuts and plenty of water to drink, some exercise, and just, uh, you know, let go of those disturbing feelings that we have right now because it doesn't help us either, right? Okay, I will try. I will try. When when I eat my watermelon, I'm going to say, aha, 
When I eat my whole bread, when I eat my beans and legumes and vegetables, I'm going to go, take that, food industry. You're not getting me. Again, the website, chiphealth.com. Until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Hans Deal, inviting you to be healthy by choice. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about Healthy by Choice, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651. You can also email us through our website at 3abn.org.